If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews 11 today. Hebrews is kind of toward the end, so you have a lot of time before we get there, but that's where we're going to be. I want to welcome all our little friends today who are, are here from Children's Ministry. Welcome to you. Um, children's Ministry will be open and ready for business next week, but we always love having you in here, so welcome to all our little friends. Uh, it's just kind of cool to have them around. So today we're talking about how to impress God. Now, we're one day away from a new year, and one of the things maybe that you haven't thought about but need to think about is how do you get in great alignment with God for 2018? You know, this is a kind of time of year where you think about what are my goals for the next year and that sort of thing, and if that's not on the list, maybe it needs to be. And so today we're going to talk about what it takes not only to, to impress God but to get His attention. And so there's this one kind of key verse we're going to talk about in just a minute. And then we're going to kind of look at how it works and what we're really talking about faith today, what, having faith. Now, there, there's a story about a, a businessman, and he's on the brink of, it's kind of one of those uh, situations where he's, he's, he's either on the brink of making a huge deal or he's going to go bankrupt. It's, it's kind of, he's teetering one way or the other. And as we are wont to do sometimes, he decides he's going to go Pray. Now, he's not a praying man particularly, but he decides this day is going to be a day of prayer because he needs several million dollars to close the deal. So he goes to the church because everybody knows you pray better at church. And uh, he goes to the church, he goes up front, and it just so happens that he kneels beside another man who's also praying for something. Now, he kind of overhears this guy, and the little guy's praying for $100. Now, you can imagine this businessman, he's praying for a multi-million dollar infusion of cash so his business deal will go through and he won't go bankrupt and he overhears this guy praying for a hundred dollars and so he pulls out his wallet he pulls out a hundred he hands it to the guy and the guy I mean he's overjoyed and he he praises the Lord and he runs out and, and then the, the the businessman begins his prayer Lord now that I have your undivided attention uh, I want you to give me you know I want you to give me what I need and, and we sort of treat God a little bit like that like somehow God will take note of us, and he'll give us everything that we want. It's not that, it's just that God doesn't work that way. So sometimes we get a little bit, this kind of backwards, as if God works for us, instead of that we work for God. And it's confusing to us, if we're not careful. Now, as a dad, I've got four daughters, and I don't have any grandkids yet, none of my daughters are married, but... Once you get grandkids, what I know about kids, I've been around children a lot in my life, is that there's this tendency for them to want you to watch them. And they'll say, what do they say? Hey, Daddy, watch this. And it could be anything. It could be I'm twirling or I got a new dress, twirly dress that you know flies out. I had girls that did that. Or... Uh, Daddy, watch me hit this basket, or Daddy, watch us jump in the pool, or that, whatever it is. It, it, none of that matters other than there's this idea that we want our parents to watch us. Now, I had the good, good fortune when I was a pastor. My very first church, my mom and dad joined my church. Now, think about this. Every kid, every kid, think about this. All your life, your parents have preached to you. And then my parents joined my church. It was like the greatest thing ever. Because I could just, you know, it's payback. I mean, it's payback. It was a beautiful thing. Um, but what I loved about my dad uh, is when he would say 
things like, hey, that was a good sermon. Or, I appreciate, I had never thought about that before. Or, that helped me. I, I think we all have this innate desire to please our fathers. It's just sort of part of us. I've I got to tell you, the, the part about my dad I miss the most are words of encouragement that he would give me so easily. He would tell me he loved me, and he would tell me, I'm proud of you. And I made a point when my girls were home this Christmas to let them know that I was proud of them because I know how much that meant to me, and I know what it means to them. And, and we strive, it's like all our lives we're striving for attention have you ever been to a middle school ball game of any sort? Middle school ball game? I've been to millions of them. Here's what I know. If you've never been to a middle school game, this is what happens. There are boys and girls, and they're trying to impress each other. Boys wear about a gallon of Axe cologne. Always Axe. All right? Uh, you, know, you know, if you've been around it, you know it. Because it, it's not great cologne, but they are great at marketing. So Axe cologne. If you have it on right now, sorry. Uh, you know. So they throw shoes, they scream, they yell, they poke, they punch, all in an attempt to get somebody's attention. Okay. Um, if you're here and you're in middle school, on behalf of everybody that's around you, stop it. Uh, I just want you to know, you should stop that. But, but there's this idea, we want to get attention. And it doesn't seem to ever go away from us. So there's this... This way to impress God that, that he talks about in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, what you have to understand is the things that impress people aren't necessarily the things that impress God. What things impress people? Fame? I, I mean, uh, somebody that has no idea, a movie star, let's take a movie star for example. They, they are, they're a celebrity and yet they speak about things they have no idea about. And yet, people listen to them because they are a celebrity. We line up to meet uh, you know, basketball players or, or sports figures. Or people even line up to meet the Pope. There's something to be said about uh, we have this um, infatuation with fame. We have an infatuation with, with people who have fortune, uh, with, with money, with status. We, we, we kind of line up for that. And those are the things that impress us. Degrees. I mean, if you're in certain uh, certain fields, if somebody has doctorates and and doctorates and more doctorates, then then they're very impressive. Or they've been they've studied at Harvard, or they've studied at Yale, or they're credentialed. That can be impressive, and and those are the things that impress people. But for us, the truth of the matter is, the things that impress us aren't the things necessarily that impress God. Now, there was a case study about this kind of not just sort of random it just kind of randomly happened but within about a, a month these two ladies both passed away you, you all if you're young if you're too young you might not know who these are these ladies are uh, the, the lady on the right is princess diana the lady on the left mother Teresa. now both ladies were very famous um, princess diana was the wife of prince charles and uh, attractive, uh, we, she's still sort of an icon today, and, and people uh, kind of loved her. They had this wedding, I mean, if you saw the wedding, oh my word, it was huge, and, and she was famous, and everybody kind of loved her, and she did charitable things. 
And then you had Mother Teresa, and Mother Teresa was amazing. She worked with, with the, the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India, and she worked with people who simply had no hope. And she was the light of Christ in many, many people's lives. Now, what, what's interesting is, they both died, a, a, a relative, I think within a week, best I can remember, but it was relatively close to one another. And much was made about both of them when they died. What's interesting to me is, I, I would say that most Americans would have traded places with Princess Diana in a heartbeat. She had beauty, she had fame, she had fortune. I mean, she had it all. She had it all. I, I don't know how many people would have wanted to trade places, however, with Mother Teresa. But the bigger question, I think, for us today is, which of the two do you suspect God was impressed with? Which of the two, I mean, we, we find this easy. I, if we have to pick between who we're going to uh, trade places with, well, it's easy. But, but which of the two would you suspect most impressed God? Now, if you found your way to Hebrews, we're going to be in chapter 11, and verse 6 talks about how to impress God. It's, it's a cool verse. So you see, it is impossible to please God, to impress Him, to please Him without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that there is a God and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The truth of the matter is, faith gets God's attention every time. Now, if that's true, we have to understand what is faith. Now, the cool thing is, the author of Hebrews, and nobody exactly knows who that is, uh, many people think, you know, it, there's, it's a big debate about who wrote this. Uh, most, many, some scholars believe Paul, but nobody really knows. It doesn't really matter. What we do know is the author goes on to explain how to live a life of faith. And he gives us examples. I love examples. I just love it. I love it when I'm reading a book and it says it's like this, because then I can, I, I can kind of understand it. I read a book the other day, and it was talking about uh, something about how to, you know, to get God's attention, that kind of thing, and 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 the misconception of how God responds and how we're to read our Bible and that kind of thing. And, and the story went like this: There are these two guys they meet uh, at a high school reunion. Now, the one guy is gone to college, and and he has a couple of degrees, but he's not doing very well in life. Although he's kind of taken all the steps that he thought were appropriate and that he should have taken, he's really not where he wants to be. Now, he's got this friend, and this friend is, he was always kind of a little bit of a slacker, kind of didn't study. He sort of, he's, he's your C guy. He's the guy that makes C's. And he got out of high school, and he kind of went to work, except they're at the 10-year reunion, and this guy looks like he has got it made. And so they're talking, they're, they were seated at the same table, they're talking about, hey, you know, how's it going? Well, you know, I'm, you know I live in, in this community, which is expensive, and, I, you know, this guy has just really done well for himself. And so the guy that did everything right, he can't stand it anymore. He said, well, tell me, I feel like I've done everything right, 
and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere in my, in my career, and you look like you are just doing great. What was your secret? What's your secret? And the guy, he said, well, listen, I attribute it all to God. Here, here's, here's my plan. Here, here's my strategy. This is what I do. I'll pray, and I'll ask God for wisdom, and then I'll open my Bible, and I'll close my eyes, and I'll point. And whatever my finger points to, I do that. Okay, so first time I did that, I pointed to oil. The word was oil. And so I bought oil stocks. And they went through the roof. I made a bundle. Several months later, I did it again. I prayed, I opened my Bible, I pointed, and it said gold and silver. So I bought into precious metals. Went through the roof, made a bundle. A few months later, did the same thing. Closed my eyes, prayed, pointed. It said gates. Now, I had to think about this one. He goes, I had to think about this one a little bit. But then I remembered that Bill Gates uh, is the owner of Microsoft, so I bought into Microsoft, and it went through the roof. And I made a bundle. Now, this guy who's done everything right is shaking his head. Like, that is the stupidest strategy I've ever heard in my life. Like, well, stupid or not, here I am rich and you're not. You know, it's kind of how that went down. So the guy goes home. Guy did everything right. He's thinking to himself, well, seems to have worked for him. I'm going to give it a go. So he closes his eyes. He opens his Bible. He points, and it says chapter 11. That's funny. Uh, for those of you who are young, ask your parents later. Uh, it's about bankruptcy. Anyway, all right. So in Hebrews 11, there's this... My pastor growing up used to call this the Hall of Fame of Faith. These are the guys that had great faith. And, and God chose to include them in the Bible as examples to us. So what does it look like to live a life of faith? If we're going to employ this strategy, I mean, if we're going to say, okay, well, it's impossible to please God apart from faith, then I want to have more faith. What do I have to do to, to, to implement more faith? What does it look like? Well, number one, what, what really pleases God? What really impresses God? Faith is believing even when I don't see. It's believing even when I don't see. It's visualizing a future in the present. Think, think about this. An architect has to see it in his mind before he draws it on paper. An Olympic athlete has to think through what, what is the goal. I mean, I'm trying to win gold. I'm not just trying to compete. Um, an artist, I remember, was, was it Michelangelo that carved the statue David? Is that, is it, was it Michelangelo? Does anybody know? It was. Okay, great. He said about that, he, it's this huge stone, and he said, I could see the statue there. I just had to let it free, set it free. And he could see it in his mind before he started to chisel. It's visualizing, it's believing before I see. Now, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's believing in advance. It's believing in advance. Now, for the Christian, this plays out mostly in our faith life, in, in believing in, in God. Most religions, all other religions other than, apart from Christianity, say you have to earn God's approval. If you're good enough, then God lets you in. 
If you're not good enough, God doesn't have to let you in. The, the problem is, how good is good enough? Who sets the standard of good enough? Do I get to set my own standard, or does somebody else get to set that standard? That's the problem with this point, with this strategy, with this approach. Christianity, on the other hand, says that I know I can't be good enough, yet I believe I put my faith in somebody who was good enough. His name is Jesus. So I don't even try to be good enough because I know I can't be good enough. I've got sin in my life, but I have somebody, I believe in somebody who can take my sins away and make all things new. And that's why Jesus one time said, blessed are those who haven't seen me and believe anyway. It's placing faith in someone I haven't yet seen. Christians are sometimes kind of belittled. It's like, how do you believe in something that you can't see? It's almost like we're not intellectual. But people believe in things they can't see all the time. I mean, electricity. Can you see electricity? I mean, maybe you can, but I turn my light switch on. I don't see the electricity, but I see the result of the electricity. I don't have to see it to believe it. Right now, we have phones in our pockets, and there are phone waves. What are they called? <laughs> waves of phoneness uh, that come into the building. You can't see them, but you get on your phone. I mean, it's there. The internet, I mean, I can't see how that gets to my phone. It's amazing, honestly. It's, it's there. I turned on my radio on the way into to church today, and I can't see radio waves, but there's the result of them. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean you can't believe in it. Listen, faith isn't a matter of intelligent versus unintelligent. Faith is a matter of believing even though I can't see. And so, I believe that Jesus will take away my sins. I've seen the effect of that in my own life. I believed it. I have faith. And therefore, it happened. So, faith is believing even when I can't see. But faith is also obeying. This one's tough. Obeying even when I don't understand. This one is really tough. Now, as a parent, sometimes you tell your kids, your kids want to know why. Why do I have to go to bed early? Why do I have to eat my vegetables? Why can't I hang out with that, my dope-smoking friends? I mean, why? You know. And every parent has the same answer, right? Because why? Because what? I said so. Because I said so. I mean, that, that is the answer. Behind because I said so is, I know more than you do. I know more than you do. And, and God sometimes will tell us to do things in Scripture. And you have to understand this. You've got to get this. He knows more about life than we do. And you have to trust. Now what I like about this particular point is that in Hebrews, God gives us a couple of examples. First, he gives us Noah. It was by faith that Noah built an ark to save his family. By the way, let's say you're sleeping. Or you're watching television, but you're kind of sleeping. You're about half zoned out. And all of a sudden, you get a vision. And the vision is of God, and God is telling you, 
the world is really, really messed up. I mean really messed up. So I'm going to wipe everybody out and I'm going to start over with you. Now, if you had that dream, what would, what would be the first thing you would do? You'd take an antacid. I, I mean, you, I mean you'd, you'd have to think through, okay, I'm, this, is, this is really crazy. And yet that is the dream, that is the, the impression that Noah gets. It was by faith Noah built an ark to save his family from the flood. His, his family and only his family. He obeyed God who warned him about something that had never happened before. Evidently, it had never rained before. Before the flood, there had never been rain. The water came up from the ground like mist, like dew, and it had never rained. So God says to him, hey Noah, I need you to build an ark. I'm going to bring the water to you. He didn't build it next to the ocean. So can you imagine the ridicule that he, he endured while he's building this massive boat on dry land, not near any body of water? I mean, that would, that would be, the humiliation factor is huge. But not only that, it had never rained before. So God says, yeah, it's going to rain. And Noah said, well, what's rain? And God says, well, rain is going to cause a flood. And Noah's like, well, what's a flood? Because he'd never seen any of this. If you had never seen rain, what would you think about rain? Uh, we, we had a dog one time, and... Um, the first time it snowed, <laughs> it, was, it was really fun to watch. It was a, a black lab, and his name was Dunkel. Isn't that a great name? That means darkness in German. Dunkel. I mean, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, evidently, you're not impressed. It's okay. Uh, and the first time Dunkel saw snow, you know, they run around, and they dip their little nose in it, and, and it's amazing, and they, they frolic, and... and I mean, I wish I was that happy ever. I mean, that was like the happiest I've ever seen anybody, anything. Well, here God explains to Noah that he's going to cause a flood when there had never, ever been a flood. Because there had never, ever been rain. And yet Noah built an ark, even though he hadn't seen it. It's obeying even when he didn't understand. Then he gives us exhibit B, a guy named Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. So basically, he's like every man ever. Uh, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, the brother is 75 years old. He is on, if they had Social Security, he's collecting. If there was Social Security in that day. He's on Social Security. He has packed it up. He's done. And God says, I don't want you to pack it up. I want you to get it down, dust it off, and take it to the next place. Now, the questions are, where are we going? Where, where am I going? And God's like, I'll tell you when you get there. How do I get there? Well, just go and I'll direct you. How will I know I'm there? I'll tell you. I mean, how many of us would obey those, those sorts of commands? Just go, and I'll tell you when you get there. We have an, I have a great example of this. Several years ago, my girls were still living at home. Elise was too young to go to school, so she's with us. 
the girls come home from school. We had a long weekend. I forget what it was. I don't remember. But anyway, we had several days off. They had just come home from school, and we said, girls, you've got 15 minutes to pack. We're going on a trip. Pack in 15 minutes, and we're going to go. Now, of the three girls, how many of them do you think got ready in 15 minutes? All of them but Mallory. That's impossible. But, but they got ready. They were, they were working towards it. They got in the van, and we headed out. Now, why would they do that? Because they trusted that their parents weren't going to do them wrong. And I forget where we went. Probably Ikea, because that's awesome. Uh, Ikea is a party waiting to happen. I, I think that is where we went. So, we obey even though we don't understand. Now, listen to this. Understand this. Faith always involves risk. Always involves risk. See, we want to guarantee that it's going to be successful. Oh, this is going to be successful. It doesn't always work that way. And did you know in the New Testament, there are a thousand commands from God. Do this and your life will be blessed. Don't do this because it's going to hurt you. And we want to ask, just like a little kid, why? And we live in a society that currently, constantly changes the definitions of things. And the Bible is constant. And the Bible tells us what to do. And we think, well, that's unreasonable or that's impossible. And God's like, just obey. I know what I'm talking about because I said so. And one of my favorite verses is, The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. If I don't understand it, it's not because I'm smarter than God. It's just because he knows more than I do. If I don't understand it, it's not because I'm smarter than he is. I just don't know as much as he does. And he has it all figured out. Let me give you an example. The Bible says if somebody hurts you, you are to forgive them. Well, that is the worst movie plot ever. Who makes a movie about that? He's been done wrong, and his family has been kidnapped, and he forgives them. I mean, that's like a three-minute movie. That's horrible. It doesn't make any sense. It, it goes against our natural inclination toward revenge, and yet God understands that when we harbor hatred and revenge, it hurts us. When we harbor unforgiveness, it hurts us. You know even though it doesn't make sense sometimes, this is what we're supposed to do. We forgive just as we have been forgiven. So the point is, um, your life will be blessed if you obey even when you don't understand. Even when you don't understand it, you obey even when you don't understand it. One time somebody asked Miriam, they said, have you ever obeyed even when you didn't understand it? And she said, yeah, that's when I married Joseph, which is really kind of snarky if you think about it. But um, faith is believing even when you don't see. It's obeying even when you don't understand. And it's giving even when you don't have. Now, if you're a guest, time out. One of the great criticisms of Christianity or church is they are, they're asking for our money. Okay, we're not asking for your money. In just a minute, we're going to take up an offering. If you're a guest, please don't give. This has nothing to do with that. Today, we're learning about faith. 
And the first guy in the Hall of Fame of Faith was a guy named Abel. And Abel gave an offering. And the only reason that I can tell that he's mentioned is because of his offering. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than his brother Cain did. Now, one would think this must have been some kind of offering. I mean, have you ever been on a, on a college campus and there's a building named after somebody? There's a school in Tennessee. Is it, where, where's Lee University? Um, let's go with um, Hickey Bob, Tennessee. Uh, Hickey Bob, Tennessee. I don't know where it is. Uh, Lee, Lee University. We were on campus one time looking at the school, and there's a building called, called the Vest Building. Oh, how cool is that? He was a bootlegger, but, uh, uh, but it's way cool. So when you look at it, you're thinking, okay, Abel offered God. It must have been some huge amounts. It must have been, must have been massive. Well, it had nothing to do with the amounts. It was the attitude. He, he offered a better sacrifice because he offered God the first and his best wasn't how much it was just how that was important by faith he was uh, commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering it wasn't how much it was how see there's two ways to give you can give out of fear you can give out of faith fear says okay let me calculate how much I can give faith says let me listen to God and give what he wants me to give Miriam and I have been married 25, 26 years. When we first got married, we decided that the first 10% we were going to give to God. We, this is what we were going to do. I don't tell you this to brag to you. I'm just telling you, you need to know as your pastor, as your spiritual leader, that we practice what we preach. So, first 10%, no matter what, we give to our church. Now, we also like to give to other things. And so we hold back another certain percentage. So we, we give our tithes 10% and we give something called offerings. We keep back another percentage so that we have opportunity when opportunities present themselves to give. We have a little pool of money. It's not a big pool, a little pool. But we have these opportunities to use this pool of money to give when God prompts us to. It, it is one of the things that's been most um, I find most joy in is that when we get to give to help people. There's nothing like giving to help people. In Psalms it says, Who may stay in God's temple or live on the holy mountain of the Lord? Only those who obey God and do as they should. They speak the truth and they keep their promises no matter what cost. Let me tell you a story. I was a pastor in New Mexico several, several years ago. And we had a a fundraising campaign, and we raised uh, pledges of about a million dollars. We built a building, $1.5 million new building. Miriam and I decided that the Lord wanted us to continue our tithe, our 10%, but to give 10% more, make a commitment to 10% more for three years toward this pledge toward this building. Now, that was a sacrifice for us. We had, three, three, we had four kids, three kids. We had three kids at the time. Um, and it was a sacrifice for us, but it was what we determined that we were to do. Not long after that, I was um, 
uh, was no longer employed at that church and went back, moved back to Kentucky. And they gave me a severance package, which was nice of them. We had made a commitment, a pledge. Now, it's not binding. Nobody's going to come collecting. It was just, it was just an agreement. We, we agreed to this. And we had this severance package, and we moved back to Kentucky, and it was a little tight financially. Yet we had made a commitment, and so we decided that the severance package, it's kind of interesting that how God did this. The severance package was just the amount of money plus about $200 that we needed to fulfill our commitment to our pledge. And every time we would get a check from the church, we would send it back to them as our pledge. Now, let, just, let me just real be, be real honest. That's some of the hardest stuff I've ever had to do. Because I looked at that amount and I thought, we could really use this. Did any of y'all ever watch Bugs Bunny and he had the little devil bunny and the, and the angel bunny on his shoulder? Every time that check would come, that, that happened to me, sort of. And this voice was whispering, uh, you could really use that money. And this voice would whisper, yeah, but you made a commitment and you got to honor your word. Yeah, but you could really use that money. And kind of back and forth it went. And it was almost as if God made me learn this lesson. That I can't outgive Him. He, he provided. The Bible promises His provision. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, their children begging for bread. I, I learned this the hard way. I didn't enjoy that. That was the hardest, one of the hardest times of my life. Because as a dad, you want to be a great provider. But as a spiritual leader, you want to be, you want to keep your word. It was a tough time. It was a time that we learned that God is faithful. Look at this text. In 2 Corinthians it says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves cheerful giver faith is believing when I don't see it's obeying when I don't understand and it's giving even when I don't have it's trusting that God knows what he's talking about and when I read something that I don't understand or I don't want to do but I know I need to do I do it anyway Back to our original verse. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. In Romans, it says the righteous will live by faith. So the question is, when, God, when I know God wants me to do something, how obedient am I? Now, here's what I really believe about this message this week. God's going to give you an opportunity to obey. Even when you don't understand, He might give you an opportunity to give even when you don't have. He's going to, give you, he's going to test you in your faith. I really believe it this week. 
Now, now you know <laughs> that without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So my prayer for us is that this week when God gives us an opportunity to practice what we've heard, that we will rise to the occasion, that we will we will do, we'll obey, even when we don't understand. We'll do the things that God's calling us to do, even though it may not make sense. That we'll be people of faith, because that's how we live. Let's ask a blessing on this message in our hearts today. Lord, thank you. I want to thank you first and foremost that it's been such a good time to be together today and all our little friends were in here and everybody was great and it's like a Christmas miracle and uh, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for teaching us and showing us and help us to be obedient even when we don't understand things. We, we love you and we want to be um, great children of yours. We want to be trustful Help us to be all of those things. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.